Hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Malvern Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we're continuing on in our sermon series called Follow Me, where we've been taking time to talk about what it means for us to follow Jesus. And today, part of what we're going to be talking about when it comes to following Jesus is the way that we feel about ourselves. You see, if we don't see ourselves the same way that Jesus sees us, then there's no way that we can follow him. So let's get right into this episode's sermon and see how Jesus sees us and how we're supposed to see ourselves. So over the years, uh, social media has inspired a whole lot of different trends that have kind of swept across the world. Like about a decade ago, it seemed like every time you turned on social media, you saw somebody that was either planking or Tebowing. And then social media trends got flat out ridiculous and a whole lot dangerous when every wannabe social media influencer was taking the Tide Pod Challenge or the Cinnamon Challenge, which is where you eat like a spoonful of cinnamon and it doesn't look pleasant at all. And of course, there have been more dance trends that have come out on social media than anyone could ever hope to keep up with. But not that long ago, there was a minor trend that has made its way around different social media platforms over the last few years that caught my attention. And this particular social media trend is called the baby blanket check. And it all started a few years ago when a guy named Corey had the courage to share the fact that even though he is 24 years old, he's been sleeping with a baby blanket every night since he was very little. And then... He held up his blanket for the world to see, and his blanket looked something like this. It's not in especially good shape, but what would you expect after sleeping with something every night for 24 years, right? Well, not long after he posted his video on social media, you started seeing thousands of others of these videos that were popping up, proving to the world that there are plenty of people around who would rather have their beat-up, worn-out, run-through-the-mud old blanket than just about anything else in the world. Tony Campola, who's a popular preacher and teacher and author, even talks about his son's love for his blanket when he was growing up. As Campola tells the story, he says that his oldest son, named Bart, had a blanket that he absolutely loved when he was a little guy. And he loved his blanket so much that his blanket even had a name. Bart called his blanket yellow, even though it wasn't yellow, but that's a whole other story. But he needed this blanket any time that he was feeling tired or any time that he was feeling anxious. And just by holding the little blanket up and rubbing it against his cheek, that blanket brought him instantaneous comfort and it let him feel like everything was right in the world. The problem was that he wanted this blanket so often and he demanded it so frequently that the Campolas ended up having to tear the blanket into two so that they could give Bart one half of the blanket when he needed it, and then they could wash the other half of the blanket when it needed to be washed. And Bart Campola is far from the only person who has had this kind of affection for their childhood blanket. I mean, the reality is that there are a lot of people who treasure a baby blanket that they've received more than anything else that their parents have ever given them. And when you stop and you think about that for a second, it sounds a little silly to value a blanket that much. I mean, just stop and think about everything that your parents or your grandparents or your aunts or your uncles have ever given to you. They've put food on your table, clothes on your back. They've put a roof over your head and given you more love than you can possibly imagine. Those things are the big and important things in life, not some beat-up, run-down, run-through-the-mud old blanket. 
And when you compare a blanket to food and shelter and clothing and love, a little blanket feels kind of insignificant. So why is it that so many people cherish these baby blankets more than anything else in the world? Well, I think to answer that question, we probably need to look at the world's foremost blanket aficionado. And when you talk about the world's foremost blanket aficionado, you can only be talking about one person. Linus Van Pelt from Charles Schultz's beloved Peanuts gang. And anybody that has ever read a Peanuts comic strip knows that Linus loves his blue blanket. As a matter of fact, he even vows in a Charlie Brown Christmas that when he gets older, he's going to turn that blue blanket into a sports coat that he can wear. But in one particular story arc that came through the Peanuts comic strips, Linus's older sister, Lucy, decides that her brother doesn't need to have a baby blanket anymore. So she takes the blanket away. And what in the world would cause Lucy to make this decision? Well, it's not just because she's an older sister and older sisters love tormenting their younger siblings. Lucy does it because she thinks Linus has reached the age where he's just too old to be carrying a baby blanket around anymore. Well, it's almost needless to say, but Lucy's decision to steal Linus's blanket and take it away from him almost drives Linus insane. I mean, the poor little guy can't eat, he can barely sleep, and the only thing that he can think about is how he can find his beloved blue blanket. But no matter how hard he tries, nothing he seems to do works. He can't find the blanket any place that he looks. And right when Linus is on the verge of giving up all hope, all hope Charlie Brown's beagle, Snoopy, comes to the rescue. And he digs Linus's blanket up out of a hole that Lucy had buried it in in the Van Pelt family's backyard. And you can just imagine what that blanket would have looked like after it had been buried in the ground for a couple of weeks. Linus's blanket wasn't in very good shape at all. It was dirty, it was ragged, it was torn up, it was even a little bit moldy. It was the kind of thing that if a dog had drug it to any of us, we would have thrown it right back out. Because that blanket seemed completely worthless once it came out of the hole in the ground. But what does any of this have to do with us, right? Well, we're now a few weeks into the season of Lent here at Melbourne Heights. And throughout the season of Lent... We have been, we've seen that Lent is about two different things. Lent is a time of reflection, and it's also a time of action. Lent's a time when we take a harder look at ourselves to identify the things in our lives that keep us from following God the way that we should. And it's also a time of action when we recommit ourselves to doing a better job of following Jesus as we move forward. But when we do the first thing, when we treat Lent like it's a season of reflection and a time to take a hard look at our lives, we're not always happy with what we see. When we take a hard look at our lives, we, it's not hard to see all the times that we've messed up. It's not hard to see all the times that we've made mistakes. It's not hard to see all of our faults and all of our flaws. And when we look at ourselves with that critical eye, it's easy to end up feeling a lot like Linus's blanket. It's easy to feel like we're dirty and ragged and torn up. Or to put it another way for you, when we look at ourselves, there are times when we all feel worthless. When we take a hard look at ourselves, there are times when we all feel worthless. 
And that's definitely the case for the person that we're going to be reading about in our scripture reading for today. So let me encourage you to go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And as you're finding John chapter 4, let me just remind you that the book of John is essentially a biography of Jesus. So in the book of John, you're going to be able to read about Jesus' ministry and the miracles that he performs. You're going to be able to read about how Jesus lived and learn about who Jesus is. You're also going to be able to read about Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. But in the story, in the passage that we're going to be looking at today, we're going to read about Jesus' encounter with a Samaritan woman by a well. So with all of that being said, let's dig into what John tells us. We're going to start reading in John chapter 4 with verse 4. And this is what John writes. John says, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And he came to a Samaritan city that was called Sychar, which was near the land Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was tired from his journey, so he sat down at the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. All right, we're going to pause right here for just a minute. Because just like last week when we were reading from John chapter 3 together, well, John includes a small detail in this chapter, in John chapter 4, that's really easy for us to overlook, but it's an important detail in the story. So maybe you picked up on it, but if you didn't, let me help you out a little bit. Did you notice what time of day the Samaritan woman comes to the well? John tells us that the Samaritan woman comes to the well at noon. She comes in the middle of the day. Now, why is that a detail that we don't want to overlook? Well, in the first century in ancient Israel, when women went to the well to draw water, they would have almost always gone first thing in the morning. And they would have gone first thing in the morning for a couple of different reasons. First, they would have gone at the very beginning of the day so that they would have fresh water throughout the entire day. And if you've ever had a glass of water that has sat out overnight, you know how important it is to have fresh water every single day throughout the entire day. The second reason that she goes, the second reason that women commonly went to draw water at the beginning of the day is because the beginning of the day is the coolest part of the day. And I don't know about you, but if I had to lug around a big old heavy jar of water, I would much rather do it when it's cooler in the morning than be lugging that jug of water around in the heat of the day, especially underneath a scorching Middle Eastern sun. So when John tells us that this woman goes to draw water from the well in the middle of the day, he's telling us a whole lot about who this woman is. By telling us that she goes in the middle of the day instead of first thing in the morning, John is showing us that this woman is an outcast. He's showing us that she is ostracized and picked on by all of the other women in her community. He's showing us that everyone else in this community looks at this woman and sees somebody who is dirty and ragged and torn up, somebody that they want nothing to do with. So John's telling us that this woman very likely felt like she was worthless. And she would much rather have to lug around a jar of water underneath the scorching sun in the afternoon or deal with having stale water first thing in the morning than having to deal with the ridicule that she faced from the other women in her community. All right, let's keep that in mind as we keep reading John chapter 4. Right now I want to pick back up in verse 7. Here's what John writes. It says, Jesus said to her, give me some water to drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy him some food. 
The Samaritan woman asked, Why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. All right, now I want to pause right here again. Because of the verses that we just read, it, it alludes to something that's important for us to notice. And that's the fact that this woman is pretty shocked by the fact that Jesus is talking with her at all. And if you keep reading in the story all the way to the end of it, you see that when Jesus' disciples run from the errand that they were sent on, that his disciples are absolutely shocked that Jesus has been talking with this woman too. But why is it so surprising that Jesus would be talking with this woman at the well? Well, once again, there are a couple of reasons. The first reason why it's so shocking that Jesus would be talking with a Samaritan woman at the well is because Jesus is a man and the Samaritan woman is obviously a woman. And in the first century in Israel, as well as in mo many modern nations in the Middle East today, it's really uncommon for a man to speak with a woman in public who isn't part of his immediate family. So that's the first reason why it's surprising, it's shocking that Jesus would even strike up a conversation with this woman. The second reason is that Jesus is Jewish, and the Samaritan woman is, once again, obviously Samaritan. And John tells us that Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. But that's a really nice way of putting how the Jews and the Samaritans felt about each other. There was some pretty severe tension and extreme tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. They flat out hated each other. And most Jews felt like they were completely superior or better than the Samaritans were. So when Jesus strikes up a conversation with this woman at the well, it's shocking for two different reasons. Jesus violates two long-standing cultural customs when he talks with this woman at the well. So let's remember that as we keep reading some more of the story. This time we'll pick up in John chapter 4, verse 10, where John writes, Jesus responded, if you recognize God's gift and who is saying to you, give me some water to drink, you would be asking him and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you don't have a bucket and our well is deep. Where would you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave this well to us and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I will never be thirsty and I will never need to come here to drink to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go and get your husband and come back here. The woman replied, I don't have a husband. You're right to say that, that you don't have a husband, Jesus answered. You've actually had five husbands, and the man that you're living with now isn't your husband. So you've spoken the truth. All right, now I want to pause here one last time. And I want to pause right here one last time because I need to ask you a question. How do you think people in our culture today feel about someone that's been married five times? Now, in our culture today, in the United States of America, it's not uncommon for people to be married two or even three times. But if somebody's married five times, they usually end up being the butt of some comics jokes. Now, rewind 
2,000 years and try to imagine how people in ancient Israel would have felt about someone that had been married five different times. And that doesn't even begin to touch on the the social stigma that would have been attached with living with someone that you weren't married to in these times. So again, John is telling us a whole lot about who this woman is as we read through this story. But John's not quite finished yet. So let's pick back up in the story one last time. We'll start reading in verse 25. Here's what John writes. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will teach everything to us. Jesus said to her, I am the one who speaks with you. Just then, Jesus' disciples arrived, and they were shocked that he was talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? The woman put down her water jar and went into the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who has told me everything I've done. Could this man be the Christ? They left the city and were on their way to see Jesus. So as we've read through this account in John chapter 4, we've heard the story about someone who is dirty, who is ragged, who is torn up. Somebody that most of the world felt like they were worthless. And the reality is that if most of us were interacting with anyone like the Samaritan woman, we'd have felt like she was worthless too. We wouldn't have had any problem wanting to throw her away, have nothing to do with her getting her out of our lives, just like we would have felt if a dog came and drug a blanket to us that had been buried in the ground for a couple of weeks. But Linus doesn't react to having his blanket dug out of a hole in the ground the same way that most of us would. So I actually want to put the final comic strip in the story arc and the peanuts up on the screen so that everybody can see exactly how Linus reacts. There we go. All right, so in this, the final comic from this story arc, Linus says, my blanket, I got it back. I can't believe it. My good old blanket. For two weeks, it's been buried beneath the ground. It's dirty. It's ragged. It's torn up. It's even a little moldy. But it's my blanket. Now, yeah, when most of us saw that blanket, we would have thought, it's dirty, it's ragged, it's torn up. We would have thought that this thing is completely worthless. We need to throw it out, get rid of this thing before anybody gets sick from it. But not Linus. The only thing that Linus cared about was that it was his blanket. That's how Jesus felt when he was talking with the Samaritan woman at the well. Even though everyone else in the world looked at that woman and saw somebody who was dirty, who was ragged, who was torn up, who was worthless, that's not what Jesus saw. Jesus didn't care about this person's gender. He didn't care about her marital status. He didn't care about her ethnicity. The only thing that Jesus cared about when he was talking with the woman at the well was her. Jesus cared about the woman at the well. Even though everyone else felt like this woman was worthless, Jesus knew that she was worth everything 
to him. And that's how Jesus feels about you too. That's how God feels about you too. So during this season of Lent, when we're taking a harder look at our lives and we're thinking about all the things that keep us from following God and we look at ourselves and we see the mistakes that we've made, when we see all of our faults and all of our flaws and all of our failures, when we look at ourselves and we think that we couldn't possibly be loved by God because we just mess up so many different times, it's not the case. Even if there are times when you feel worthless, you are worth everything to Jesus. Even if there are times when you feel completely worthless, you are always worth everything to Jesus. But the question you need to ask yourself is, do you believe that? question you need to ask yourself is that how you see yourself when you look at yourself do you see who god sees do you feel about yourself the way that god feels about you when you look at yourself do you see trash or do you see someone that's treasured by god when you look at yourself do you see junk that needs to be thrown out or do you see yourself like jesus sees you. Now, throughout the series, we're not just talking about the things that keep us from following God. Throughout the series, we're also talking about what it means for us to follow God, what we have to do to follow God. And I wanted you to hear something today, because we need to say this in church, because oftentimes we treat each other, we think that God couldn't love any of us because we're such horrible sinners. But here's the reality. You can't follow God if you think that you're worthless. You can't. You can't follow God if you think that you're worthless. If you want to follow God, you have to see yourself the same way that God sees you. If you want to follow God, you have to understand how valuable you are to God. If you want to follow God, you have to love yourself the way that Jesus loves us all. Now, we talked about this during our time together last week. One of the things that it means for us to follow Jesus, one of the things that we have to do is we have to love the world that God so loves. And you're part of this world. So you can't love the world that God so loves if you don't love yourself. But we've said this all throughout the series. Following Jesus is a choice. Following Jesus is a choice. And you get to decide if you're going to do what it takes to follow Jesus every single day. So today you've heard part of what it means to follow Jesus. You've heard that part of what it means to follow Jesus is that you have to love yourself the way that God loves you. But you get to decide if you're going to do it or not. You get to decide if you want to see yourself like somebody who's dirty and ragged and torn up, if you want to see yourself like somebody who is worthless, or if you want to see yourself in the light of truth. Because the truth is, you are worth everything to God. If you weren't, you wouldn't have come into this world. If you weren't, Jesus wouldn't have walked this earth. 
If you weren't worth everything to God, Jesus wouldn't have laid down his life for you. But it's up to you to figure out if you're worthless or if you're worth everything to God. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, you know that there are times when all of us look at our lives and we see the mistakes that we've made. We see our faults. We see our flaws. We see our failures. And we struggle to love ourselves because of it. But God, even when we struggle to love ourselves, you never stop loving us. You love us more than any of us could begin to imagine. So God, help us to see ourselves the way that you always see us, as your children, created with infinite value and worth, people that you came into this world to lay down your life for. Help us to see ourselves that way, God. Help us love ourselves so that we can do a better job of loving you and loving our world. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has reminded you that even though there may be times when you feel like you're dirty, like you're ragged, like you're torn up, like you're worn out, like you're worthless, that you are worth everything to Jesus. Because of that, you can love yourself. You can love the world that God so loves. Well, that's going to do it for this episode sermon, but I want to invite you to come back and join us next week when our next episode drops because we're going to continue to talk about what it means for us to follow Jesus. Now, as always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app, but you don't have to wait till then. You can also come and worship with us live every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We would love to have you come and join us. Well, until next time, I hope that you have a great week. I will be praying for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another Sermon Podcast.